we have this saying, humans have been uh, prosecuting warfare by putting a metal in the air and, and into each other for 20,000 years now. You know, you go back to the ancient Phoenicians or Egyptians shooting arrows at each other. Like, let's get away from that. Let's get metal out of the air to solve problems if we can. And that's the beauty of uh, direct energy and this new uh, nature of warfare. Am I going to have to get a, get a bow to fight someone if they have your system? It's the only way to fire back, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And all the electronic exactly. stuff will break. They're, they're going to be, we say that all the time. Our goal is to reduce the um, adversary to the uh, dark ages. <laughs> <laughs> Bo, thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. Uh, a pleasure to be here. So, Bomar, you're the co-founder and chief technology officer of Epris, a defense company. Epris is, uh, I guess it was the name of the bow of Theseus. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool story that uh, the company got started. There's the uh, Theseus was the hero uh, founder of Athens, and he was defending Athens against the, the Persians with the Epirus bow that had an infinite uh, quiver of arrows. Yeah, yeah, infinite quiver of arrows. And you guys are, are we're doing EMP technology, electromagnetic pulse technology, which means uh, I guess you could have infinite arrows you could fire out of those things. Exactly. We have created the world's first... Uh, software-defined electromagnetic pulse uh, capability. And so that's the beauty of it. Yeah, you get, you get infinite ammo, essentially. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. What, what led you to co-found Epirus? Yeah, so uh, just a little bit about me. I, I was always uh, a big into circuits and uh, software and technologies. Got my PhD at Georgia Tech. And you, you, were, also, you were a D1 athlete at Duke, so you were a D1 athlete who was into circuits. Yeah, a rare combination <laughs> probably there, yeah. I, I kind of found a, a commonality, though. Like, you got a bulldog uh, circuits. Like, you, you have to really... Uh, it's hardware's uh, m- more difficult sometimes, so you have to really kind of be a, a persistent. And the same thing with football. To make a D1 football team, you just got to grind. You got to work hard. So I found a lot of uh, similarities, actually, between... Yeah, football and high uh, deep uh, deep technology um, and, and you were and what were you doing with circuits before you were doing Epirus? yeah so uh so at georgia tech we were building um silicon neurons so the uh, thesis was you can we worked on the darpa uh, uh, synapse program where the idea is um if, if you build uh, neurons out of silicon that work much more like the brain, you can operate much more efficiently than like what you can on a GPU. So then from there, went to um, IBM, uh, worked on Watson. So I was on the, on the chip team that built uh, the chips for Watson. The, that was just a great experience. I uh, ended up uh, there. And then I've always thought, and I think uh, very similar to some of your thoughts, Joe, that I share, like this strong passion for defense. So I wanted to help out. And so uh, I went to, to Raytheon to work in the aerospace and defense. So is it, it's important to you that America is strong. You, you, you believe in defending America. And, and, and you, I mean, a lot of people attack what our DOD does. Like over, overall, you're optimistic. It's better for the world if America is stronger. Yeah, super, super optimistic, Joe. I, I think this, uh, this uh, saying I like to use is like, I read this article once in the Wall Street Journal that was like, hey, all of our PhDs are going to um, help people uh, uh, click ads more, which is is great. That serves a, a really important part of the economy. But like, let's get some of our PhDs and some of our uh, our best engineers working on uh, really hard problems, too, like in the defense industry. And I, yeah, I just I, and 
what a lot of people don't realize is the history of Silicon Valley really started with defense, right? Like a Bill Packard from HP, like he was the secretary of defense, uh, uh, the internet, like a self-driving cars, a lot of that technology started in the defense industry. So I think it's, it's so important. To a lot of original going. money into Hewlett Packard in the late thirties and early forties, of course, was, was for world war two. And, and I guess, yeah, a lot of big hires in the Valley early were all the big defense contractors. That's right. And then, and then they kind of helped and then, and it seemed like it dropped out. It seemed like maybe, Starting in like the 80s, 90s, Silicon Valley started focusing on other things. And, and then and this, this generation seems to be pretty against working in defense. As you're building a defense company, there are a lot of people who are attacking you for that or who are not interested because it's defense. Or what's, what's, the, what's the energy? Yeah, we've had a surprisingly positive response uh, to what we're doing. And I think that was one of the goals of starting Epris with you, Joe, is that we wanted to bring that, y- that youth back into the aerospace and defense industry. And that was one of the really important founding uh, emissions of Epirus because I saw it at Raytheon, right? Is like the number of where I was just before uh, we founded Epirus was like, it was so hard to get millennials and some of the younger uh, generation, younger kids. But, and I think that's why it's so important. Like a lot of, a lot of the kids coming out of college now, they're like, oh, a startup that does aerospace tech, like that's so cool. So I think that's one of the things I'm really optimistic about. I think by starting companies like Epirus, I think we're starting to pull the generation um, back into these really hard problems, uh, uh, space tech and defense tech and aerospace. So we're talking about really hard problems. Epirus, it's doing electromagnetic pulse technology, and you, and you created a new chip, which is, a, which is we call it smart power, which is helping this thing fire better. How, how, how does that work? Yeah. Um, so what ended up happening is one of our first uh, field demos, we showed off our electromagnetic uh, pulse weapon. We're putting out a, a gigawatts of power. And the observers, you know, our customers were like, oh, my gosh, how did you do that? Like, that shouldn't be possible. You, that's too much power. That's too much thermal. You would uh, burn out the chips, wouldn't you? And we're like, oh, no, we invented this uh, chip that we're calling a smart power that uses machine intelligence to uh, manage the power. Uh, so you have all this power flowing through this system, and you want it to all flow to hit at once in a way that's efficient. And so, and so the chip's fast enough to kind of talk to all these different parts of the system and coordinate the power or what, what's it doing? Exactly. That's exactly right, Joe. So the, actually the, um, analogy I like to use is, uh, I, so I live in a, a Manhattan beach, uh, California down in uh, Los Angeles. Um, my wife makes me water the garden. So it's like the, uh, the analogy I like to use is like, if you have a old school hose, you know, you just turn it on, you walk back to the trees, you're wasting just tons of water as you walk back in between plant to plant. Uh, what if you had a machine learning, uh, um, algorithm? them in hardware that you could hard uh, uh, cut off the hose so there's no leakage whatsoever and then right before you get to the right when you pointed at the right plant right before you point at the right plant it would start to come out it, so yes it this huge burst of water to to just enough for the plant uh, and then turn off again right when the plant got enough water and then uh, do the same thing charge up and right when you get to the next plant that surge of water. So, so, so basically you only want the power to be on exactly when it needs to be on. And that way you could use it much more efficiently. Exactly. And it turns out a lot more efficiently. We're getting 90%, 95% uh, power efficiency improvements. And so, uh, that's what, and things we're really excited about is we've spun that off into its own platform. So we have a smart power. So you could platform. use this for theoretically data centers for, for other, I mean, there's other things in defense you're using it for. What's something else in defense you could use it for that you could tell us? Oh yeah, sure. So, um, Right now, there are, if like, let's say I want to put new capability on a ship or new capability on a, a, a tank or a striker vehicle. Well, it takes power. And a lot of times they're at, these systems are at their power uh, limit. So what smart power is able, so we're actually working on a couple of projects right now, both with uh, ship board applications and like 
uh, what I'll call uh, a military vehicle applications where there's two big efforts going on right now is number one to electrify those things. So they're like electric, like you can imagine like a electric tank, right? Or a hybrid tank, right? And so managing all the power more efficiently in that vehicle. The other thing is even for still a diesel driven vehicles, all that energy gets generated in a generator. And then you, maybe you have a radar that's blasting at really high power. And then you've got a laser that's blasting at really high power or a, I have lots of lasers on my vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So it's managing and it's charging up and storing that energy and using machine intelligence to figure out exactly when that needs to fire. So, 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 so the radar systems themselves, if you give it power at exactly the right time, I'd imagine you can have a lot more powerful radars as well. Exactly. So you can have more powerful radars. You can have more, uh, uh, items on your vehicle, more systems. You could also just, the vehicle will last longer in the cases that it is a hybrid. So this is probably useful for planes and ships and any vehicle. Yeah, exactly. We're actually going to, we're working on a project right now. We're actually going to speed up. Uh, the goal of the project is to speed up a ship because if all of its uh, 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 gas or energy is going towards the radar, it can't go towards the, the motor. Why, why, why hasn't this been done a long time ago? Is it, would this have been a lot harder to do with chips 20 years ago? Yeah. So the big thing that we've discovered is it's like, uh, I was, it's like, uh, 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 the power line example. So like if, if I want to manage, uh, like a power, the power going through a power line right now, uh, outside that powers all of our houses, there's this giant transformer that uses 20, uh, kilovolt lines. Um, previously there was no hardware to manage. Uh, you can't, you know, a, a digitize a 20 a kilovolt line. There's no hardware that goes high enough power. And so the same, uh, the same analogies on a vehicle, right? 600 volt is a common voltage. It's a flowing around a lot of these vehicles, 800 volt in some of the new uh, Porsches electric that are uh, coming out. And so previously there was no hardware. I couldn't, it was all analog. I couldn't um, digitize it because that's too high of a voltage. So what we've invented is uh, a gallium nitride chips and a silicon carbide chips, these new chips that can handle 1200 volts, 2000 volts. So we've uh, digitized the, the, the gallium nitride is the stuff that's the emissive material so that when the, 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 the power hits it, it, it fire, it fires stuff, right? Is that, is that, or is that different? Yeah. So we're building, we're using a gallium nitride to build uh, solid state uh, transistors. So it's kind of like the same transistors in your cell phone. So the analogy is like your cell phone, it could handle maybe two volts, the transistors in your cell phone, whereas we're building transistors that can handle a thousand volts. So we're, this is. This is new because we're able to um, digitize what got it. So because analog. you can turn the power on and off so quickly, you can handle a lot higher voltage. Basically, PCBH can use more more power more efficiently. Exactly. So now we can write software for much higher voltage applications where before you couldn't because it was all analog. So and there's only because there's only so much power. So if you're using the power more efficiently, you're using 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 it really quickly with higher voltage. Basically, higher voltage lets you use more power in less time. Is that? part of it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like we can one, now that we can uh, digitize a power system, we can slice it up into like 10 nanosecond time slices. So you find all these opportunities to save power. You know, if you can break something up into little tiny slices, you should have to, I'll have to go back to, to high, to high school here. We have the, the P equals IV. Most of our listeners probably don't know. So it's just very, very, very basic. So the way, the way, the way I think of it is, is the, the, the currents, like, you know, the amount of electrons flowing through and the voltage is kind of like the speed at which they're flowing. It's the, no, it's the Delta, it's the Delta between it, but which creates create the speed. And so, and so because you have, because you have more accurate use of turning on and off power more accurately, you, you basically deal with higher voltage systems because you're using it more efficiently. Exactly. Exactly. 
and you know you hit the nail on the head joe like and the higher voltage we go the more efficient it gets it turns out and so this is we published a, interesting so, so, so yeah. much higher voltage lets you be much more precise in how you're using it exactly and so what's really exciting is we've published a peer-reviewed uh, journal article uh in in december 2020 um, on a law, we've discovered, we, we believe we've dis- the, uh, discovered a law that the power, uh, density of these transistors, it's uh, doubling about every 18 months. We plotted all the data back to like the 1990s. And sure enough, it's very similar to Moore's law where the chips, you know, Moore's law says the chips are, uh, is, it, is this going to be more dangerous? You're going to kill yourself by touching these systems more easily if the voltage is that high. No, that's the great part about uh, digital uh, systems. Because I can uh, digitize it, I can switch it off in a nanosecond. So we actually have uh, current controls in our, our system. So in our our directed energy system, uh, Leonidas, um, it's very, very safe for the operator because we have all these controls that it senses. If so, Le- so, so what is Leonidas and what's Leonidas named after? Oh yeah, so we named Leonidas after um, the, uh, this, the the great story of the three hundred at uh, um, Thermopylae. He was, he was the he was the Greek leader at Thermopylae. He was the Greek leader. We kind of have a Greek, kind of Western civilization Greek theme going on here. Yeah, yeah, we sure do. And so, so, so Leonidas, it's the it's the it's the it's the one of the EMP systems you've built. So, what what, what does it do? Yeah, so it, uh, basically, what it does is it creates a an electromagnetic pulse that's in a very well-defined beam. So we can, so this is like, this is like a cone of microwave radiation. Exactly. So, and and, and this, and this microwave radiation, it doesn't hurt people. Exactly. It's safe for people. It's, it's very similar to, but it gives you a headache maybe, or not really. Uh, it's very similar to the cell phone to like cell phone um, radiation. Right. So we've, uh, we've put our system through safety is one of our top concerns. So we've passed your defense company though. You're trying to fight things, but you're also really care about safety. Yeah, it's like safety for our, for our warfighters, you know, keep them safe. Like that's, that's the goal really is like help keep our warfighters safe, get these things out to the people that are uh, defending our security and not, not just warfighters. Right. I mean, you, you, uh, you've, uh, we've all seen the news, like stadiums are getting like the, the major league of baseball games got a delay last year because of drones. Um, you know, uh, airports are getting uh, delayed because of drones. So, so, so drones, you know, one of, one of our big concerns when we were studying this earlier is you could put. Uh, you put a bunch of bombs on thousands of little tiny drones and fly them to a stadium and you could probably have a terrorist attack that way. But so, so dr- dr- drones are a threat. And I guess, I guess ISIS was, was using drones to attack us in earlier in the Middle East. They, they, they take the weaponized drones and they come in on positions. And I heard we were shooting, had to shoot like rockets at them and stuff to take them down, take them out. Yeah, exactly. Joe. I mean, it's a really, it's a really big problem. And so um, this cone of radiation from Leonidas can shoot down a drone. How far, how far away can you shoot it down from? Uh, so uh, we have demonstrated uh, beyond uh, a, a, a visible range. Like a, um, a good story, I'll tell you is we when we did our one of our first uh, field uh, tests, uh, field demos, we had about a seventy uh, uh, customers come, uh, generals and so forth. Uh, it was a great event, and one of the one of the biggest technical challenges we had to solve is we were taking down the drones uh, so far away. I remember um, Lee, our CEO, he he comes over to me and he, he wants to watch. I was like, Hey, uh, you, you're gonna have to use these uh, uh, binoculars to see the drone go down. It's going to go down so far away. And he's like, oh man, I still can't see through the binoculars. So we got a telescope. So <laughs> one of so the, you have a telescope to watch out. Yeah. One of the biggest technical challenges we had to do the uh, a demo for our, our customers was we snaked out like a, you know, the longest uh, fiber optic cable we could possibly find and put a camera, a setup way, way out in the field and pipe the, the video back to, um, and then we pipe some video back through drones and so forth. So that's we could, cool. So Bo, can you describe a little bit more? What does Leonidas actually look like? 
Sure. So um, Leonidas, it can fit on the back of the truck. We're building up form factors for that. We're building form factors for the top of uh, uh, military vehicles, as well as like a trailer mounted version of it. Um, and so it's basically a flat panel. It's almost like a, you can think about it like a, a flat screen um, TV, like a big flat screen, uh, a TV. That's what a phased array does in it. So there's, it's like a, uh, you look, said phased array. What's a phased array. So a phased array is, uh, instead of just one antenna element, like a giant, a satellite uh, dish, we actually have hundreds. And in some cases, uh, thousands of, um, smaller antenna um, elements. In and these are each matrix. emitting, these are each emitting photons. Exactly. And so that's part of what smart power does is, is aligns them all and they charge up all at the same time. And then they, they spatially combine in the air, uh, to, to focus the beam. Um, and they, so they all fire all these, so they all fire about the same time and in a coordinated way to focus the beam. Exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah, you, you can imagine essentially uh, a big version of a flat screen TV on a back of a trailer or back of a truck that can create these very concentrated beams of energy. That's yeah. awesome. So yeah. you're, so you're firing and, and how is the microwave energy taking these things out? What's it doing? Oh, so it's, uh, it's creating such a high electric field strength that the vol- the voltage is high enough in the air. So it's shooting uh, photons technically. So it's, we're shooting uh, photons through the air. And then once the photons hit the drone it's creating such a strong electromagnetic field that it's um it's creating an over voltage uh scenario on the electronics itself so, so you're the, frying the electronics in the thing that you're shooting with these photons from a kilometer or, or however far away exactly you're being careful not to say this since i assume maybe it's a secret exactly yeah we uh, <laughs> uh some of our, our our customers are very uh want us to be very careful that's about fair exactly i think we could be, be sensitive about how far away we're shooting things and this is this is this is destroying this is destroying like the system there the electronic system therefore i assume you could use it against a car or a ship or, or basically anything that has electronics in it. Do, do cars have enough electronics in it that you can stop them with this? Yeah. Uh, Joe, one thing we're really excited about is I, um, I remember when we were first starting the company, we were talking about, man, it sure would be nice to uh, be able to stop uh, nefarious boats out in the water. So uh, sure enough, we've got a great uh, a video. Um, uh, this was just uh, even recently. We, I haven't seen this yet. Yeah, I, I'll have to send it to you. We uh, we have a boat motor. We so we we uh, bought a boat motor, uh, uh, running the boat motor in our chamber there, and so we've now got uh, videos of uh, zapping up uh, boat motors. Um, we've got a bunch of data how well it worked. It works great on uh, vehicles as well. So, we're so re- it's really any electronics. So if your high school rival has has the, has the girl you're like out in the date like really far away, you could just you could just zap it and make them look bad. <laughs> exactly. That's, maybe that wouldn't work though, because they'd be stuck on a boat in the water together. <laughs> So, okay. Well, we have to rethink this, but, but, is it, but if you drive by, maybe, maybe, maybe if you drive by someone's office and do this, whether the computers go out. Yeah, absolutely. It works against any electronics. That's awesome. And then, so you're, so you're firing these photons from far distance. You're taking electronics. It doesn't hurt people. And I, I guess there's a lot more drones in warfare these days. So this is important. Could it work against missiles as well? I'd imagine if you fire it from far enough away, would, it, would a missile no longer be able to have its tracking systems to hit where it's supposed to hit? Yeah. So Joe, we have not tried it against any electronics where it didn't work. So every piece of electronics we tried against, it has been successful. So we've taken out GPS, we've taken out guidance systems. So, um, we are actively doing research to, uh, assess the effectiveness against Good. things like, yeah, rockets and rockets. And, and, yeah. I guess you'd launch this into space and do it against a satellite if you wanted to. Yeah. I, I think that's any, a valid anything. application. Yeah. I mean, uh, any, any electronics it, uh, that we've gone against so far, it works. So we're, we're definitely, uh, looking into all sorts of and applications. The, and the, and the, 
the innovation was this power chip and smart power. Did you have to hire a bunch of other people to build these systems? Like how does one build an electronic warfare system? Who do you hire when you're trying to do that? Yeah, it's, it's a really great team. I, I'm, I'm really pr- proud of the team. So it's really cross-functional. We've got uh, a mechanical folks that, and uh, thermal analysis folks. We've got a ton of software, great software engineers on our team that, uh, because what's really novel about our, our system too, is it's a digital beam formed system, which means, uh, it's a lot of a matrix math. I like got very similar to, yeah. Uh, computer graphics stuff, computer graphics stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we can do a bunch of matrix math. We can, to, to form where the beam goes, put nulls in the beam. We can control the power. When you level. say put nulls in the beam. There's like, maybe you want to wipe out all the electronics in an area, except for you want to not wipe out my phone. If I'm standing there, you could, you put a null right there. Exactly. So we can put an energy null. We, we call it a dynamic uh, blue force zone where, um, the, the, the user can kind of mark out where they, they don't want to fire and it can even be dynamic. Um, so that it, um, again, with a big emphasis on, on, on safety for the, the people that are, uh, using it. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so, so you, so you theoretically could, could have a big area where you fire and just only take out certain things and not other things. Yeah. It's very precise. Like it's like, it's, it's kind of the best of both worlds of, uh, like a very precise beam, like a laser, but then also, uh, if like a drone swarm is, uh, coming at you, you can widen the beam or sweep the beam very uh, quickly to take out a large drone swarm. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. You get the precision and the ability to take out like a large area if you need and, to. And, and when is this stuff going to be in the field being used in active, you know, warfare scenarios? Yeah, so we're currently working with uh, the DoD, our, our DoD uh, partners, to get it out in the field right now. So we're we're actually doing a big, uh, we're doing our third big uh, field exercise uh, this uh, in, in in a few weeks, um, and so that it's all happening kind of uh, as as we speak, really. Yeah, the, the team's out there right now. Amazing. So stepping back a little bit, uh, the U.S. spends over seven hundred billion on defense. A lot of us are not convinced it's spending it as efficiently as it could. A lot of that people call is partially a jobs program. It's partially big contractors. There's cronyism. You, you, you worked at Raytheon before. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like how much did you see? Do you see, was there a lot of waste going on at the DOD overall, along with some really good stuff or like, are, are we spending money efficiently right now on defense? Yeah. I think one of the big things we realized and why we wanted to start Epris is the cost plus a fixed fee uh, model. It is what a lot of the big uh, DOD programs use, it has some, some disadvantages where so the DOD people, like the more they spend, the more the money they get to make, basically it's probably a bad incentive. Yeah. It, it, like uh, the incentive is not a uh, necessarily to go uh, a super fast and come um, way under budget is a good way to say. So, so, it, so yeah. you, you could think of a much better way to do something way cheaper, way better. And everyone says, Bo, if we did it this way, we'd lose a bunch of money because we only get paid cost plus. Yeah. So that's, that's what we're kind of bringing to the table here is like, say, Hey, uh, DOD, we're building this thing in a commercial business model. So we're investing our own money to get this thing uh, built and, uh, sell it. We're going to sell it to you as a, a fixed price. And, uh, so, 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 so rather than be in the basement of Raytheon and, and trying to get them to do things more efficiently and they're, and they don't all, they, they might not always have the incentive to do things more efficiently because of how they're paid. If you can do a commercial off the shelf model, you now have the incentive to do things much more efficiently and every, everyone saves money overall. Is that the idea? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and so, you know, over the past decade, there's all these, uh, war games we've done against China, apparently inside the DOD. And apparently we keep losing these war games inside the DOD, which is pretty scary. Like what, like what are your thoughts on, on what needs to happen for America to innovate and to be able to to make sure that, that we can beat these adversaries? 
Yeah, Joe, it's a great, really great uh, question that we think about um, every single day. And I think one of the big reasons we're building Leonidas is it's not just uh, this product family is not just an electro magnetic pulse system is not just a direct energy. We're expanding into all areas of what's called the electromagnetic uh, spectrum because that is what is going to assert control um, in the future area of warfare. So I uh, think about... Um, Right now, when two planes do, if they're doing a dogfight against each other, maybe, you know, when you watch Top Gun or some of the old movies, you're, you're, they're shooting uh, machine guns it's at It's about each getting other. behind them and firing at them. Yeah. And, and this, and this, is not, this is not what matters anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, they use electromagnetic spectrum, really powerful radars to see people hundreds of miles away in some cases. And so whoever can has the stronger... Uh, you know, radar, the strongest electromagnetic control over the spectrum. That's who, that's who wins. When you're that far away, you just launch a missile or what? Yeah. So that far away. So uh, some of these radars can see hundreds of miles away. Uh, you uh, launch a missile, the, and the missile uses a uh, radar and guidance technology. When you just put an EM, when you put Leonidas on the fighter jet and just the missile would get like what, what fried by the photons though, or, or, or how would that work? Oh, so that's so that's that's one possible scenario is uh, using like an airborne uh, EMP for defensive purposes, direct energy. That's absolutely a case, but also making it a multifunction so that uh, you know uh, a Leonidas maybe turns into a radar and Leon- so uh, a reprogram again using the software. So, to so find Leonidas can be it. a much more powerful radar by using the power more efficiently. Exactly, and so if if we could, using this really powerful uh, technology, just make a radar that goes is, much much further. Is this going to make so there's this there's this balance historically between offense and defense and warfare. So a lot of people talk about you used to have cities that were really dominant because you couldn't break into the walls. And then you had the invention of the cannon and all of a sudden you had these big empires formed because people would just go conquer a bunch of cities by knocking it down with a cannon. So that was a case where offensive warfare got to be stronger. For a long time, offensive warfare was better. Does, does the EMP system actually give an edge more to defensive warfare now? Is that a shift where we're going to be able to take out a lot of things defensively? Or, or, or how, how do you think about that? Yeah, I think absolutely. We think about uh, Leonidas as it, it really creates uh, what's like a force field. You can create a force field around a, a base or a defensive area. So I think it really does change the game. And so if we're going if, if 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 to start a city state in the future, we can help defend my city state with this and, and it, would, it would make it so it's harder for people to come conquer it. <laughs> absolutely. That'd be good for freedom. Okay, <laughs> yeah. good. Well, we'll talk more about this offline. <laughs> okay. and, and, uh, and so, but so, so just stepping back a little bit about the DOD, spending $700 billion, some of it clearly is not as efficient as it could be. A lot of us are worried about how our adversaries are innovating in ways we're not. You're, you're, you're behind now one of the most innovative technology companies in defense in our country by far. You're bringing in all this talent. Like, what do we need to do in the DOD to make sure that new innovative companies can win? Is this, are there things about procurement we need to fix? Is there things culturally we need to fix? Like, what do you, what do you see? I mean, I, I've, I've been myself pleasantly surprised that a lot of generals are starting to realize that the legacy primes, the old big defense companies, they're not really performing as, as well as we need them to. It's because it's so obvious that even, even like all the generals are realizing it pretty clearly, or at least a lot of them are. So, so what do we need to shift now in terms of how the DOD works to make sure we can bring in good innovation? Yeah, I think speeding up their procurement uh, uh, timelines, because I think what we're showing, uh, companies like Epris are showing, yeah, we can build a direct energy system in nine months. And that's that's how long it 
uh, took us to get the first uh, prototype from concept nine months. And so if the acquisition cycle is uh, three years or something, that's a big mismatch with how fast we can uh, develop technology. So I think uh, getting the acquisition cycle to, to match how fast we can build these uh, technologies is, is one of the keys. Uh, and, and then it sounds like you think more off the shelf, less cost plus in terms of how they do things is, is important. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think that's a really, cause it, like w- we talked about it, it gives everyone the right incentive. It gives the, uh, the company the incentive to um, deliver fast and ring uh, costs out and it, it, it also is uh, protects the taxpayer as well. So in building Epris, you're having to attract the best and brightest from the defense world, from th- you know, different parts of the technology world. What's the culture like internally and, and what are you trying to focus on there for the culture? Yeah, I think um, it's really simple for us. We focus on people first uh, and it's it's really paid off for us. I have employees uh, come up to me um, every single day almost and say, hey, Bo, this is the greatest company I've ever worked for. And a lot of it is uh, a couple of things. We challenge our employees to work on the most cutting edge of technology. And so true engineers, you know, really love that uh, about it. And then, but also eliminating waste out of the process because our customers don't want us to waste time. Taxpayers don't want us to waste their money and enge- engineers and, and operations folks and employees don't want their time wasted either they want to be working on cool when stuff you, when you were at other big defense companies you, you saw more waste and, and it, what do you see that you want to fix in apparatus yeah so like one one piece of the waste again going back to this like cost plus model if it takes a lot of work to like track all the costs and you know they have a thing called earned value where you have these big spreadsheets and so it's like somebody has to like huge teams of people have to keep track of these huge uh, spreadsheets and time cards and um, everything you're doing. And it sounds very Soviet. It's like, it's not like in and of itself, that does not add value to our customer. And that's what we think about is like, how do we spend every minute of every day adding value to our customer and uh, building great products for them? And so I think that's, and that comes out and I think people really see that. And they, it's a culture they where people that. actually care about doing what's best for the country and best for the customer and the taxpayers. Exactly. That's yeah. awesome. Um, one really interesting theme that seems to be emerging here in, in warfare and technology is you're actually taking more people out of the equation. It's more about like the technology itself. There's whether it's robots, whether it's unmanned systems, whether it's you're actually, you actually, it's kind of cool. You're not attacking people. You're attacking the systems and you're, and you're making the systems more powerful to fight the other systems. Is this, is this where warfare is going? It's, it's, it sounds like you're not going to have to hurt people, but you're still going to be able to help win wars. Yeah, Joe, you, that's exactly right. And that's one of the core missions of Epirus is like, let's provide defense and security and these new capabilities without having to hurt uh, people. That's exactly. And that's the beauty of a directed energy. Um, I think is, yeah, you can make a place completely safe. We say sanitize an area in a way that will not have to hurt any humans. Yeah. If the Romans were to sanitize an area and that'd be that everyone get messed up. But when you sanitize <laughs> an area, you're not hurting anyone at all. You're sanitizing a systems that can fight you and they can attack you and you're, and you're, and you're getting rid of their, all of their ability. Yeah, exactly. Like we, we have this saying humans have been uh, prosecuting warfare by putting a metal in the air and into each other for 20,000 years. Now, you know, you go back to the ancient uh, Phoenicians or Egyptians shooting arrows at each other. Like, let's get away from that. Let's get metal out of the air to solve problems if we can. And that's the beauty of uh, direct energy and this new uh, nature of warfare. Am I going to have to get a, get a bow to fight someone if they have your system? It's the only way to fire back, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, and all the electronic exactly. stuff will break. They're, they're going to be, we say, 
say that all the time. Our goal is to reduce the um, adversary to the uh, dark ages. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. So we started American Optimist because there's a lot of cynicism in the world right now and a lot of cynicism in our country about ourselves. But I think Epros is just a really cool example because you're taking some of the best of Silicon Valley technology world, of the defense technology world, and you're building you have the top EMP company in the world that can only really be created in America. And, uh, and so, so, I mean, how, how do you, how do you, how do you feel about America? Is this, this is clearly the place you want to be working Like, are there other competitors to what you're doing around the world that are threatening you or like, like, how, like how far ahead are you right now? There's really no competitors that we're aware of right now, Joe, that build, that have a, a digitized it the way we have. Um, there are other people that have built uh, EMP systems, but they're very analog in nature using like uh, uh, vacuum tubes and so forth. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I mean, Joe, I feel really lucky um, every single day to be working at Epperson, have this opportunity to, to uh, help America. I think we really are in a golden age area of venture capital where you're right. Only in America could we get venture capital to start an aerospace and defense uh, company. Uh, so I, I just feel really lucky, and um, it's, it's been amazing right so awesome. far. Awesome. Well, it was an honor to help help you guys get it going, and, and I'm amazed by what you've done, Bo. So. Yeah, Joe, your your contribution uh, in helping co-found the company was, was amazing, and we really appreciate everything you've done. Well, congrats on the progress. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. 